Well, folks, I'm happy to say that Real or No Real is back after taking what turned out to be a much lengthier reprieve than planned. We are back. I'm actually going to be doing most of the recordings. Gwen will still be quite involved in the background and we'll also be doing some recording here or there, but uh, we are back and happy to be back. By the way, the recordings are going to be a lot more frequent, and each episode will likely be much, much shorter so that we can get more information out to you as it becomes available. And most, but not all, of my upcoming podcast episodes are going to be focused on the upcoming midterm elections because there's so, so much to cover. I'm from Minnesota, so I'm going to be covering things specific to Minnesota, but also outside of that as well. Things that everybody needs to know things that they might be unaware of, things to look for, different situations for different states. But there certainly is a lot to talk about. So let's get started. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the elections as it pertains to Minnesota. I've been in a variety of of conversations with people now for quite a while. And while I'm open to, and I actually think it's very healthy for all of us to engage in discussions with people who disagree, it does give me pause that there is so much misinformation out there. And that, of course, the Republicans and the conservatives are the ones, once again, being labeled the ones that are providing misinformation, disinformation. We've been hearing that for so long. We've been labeled everything under the moon, especially since the summer of 2020. The labels haven't stopped, but it's ridiculous to me and scary, quite honestly. The amount of censorship, I would say communist style censorship, is immense. The mainstream media, which again is owned by six large corporations around the world, has one narrative, and that one narrative is all they allow their news outlets to report. That goes all the way down to local newspapers like our Minneapolis Star Tribune, St. Paul Pioneer Press, our local TV stations. It's not just those big networks and big cable TV stations. One of the things I hear over and over and over again from those with opposing views is there was no election fraud. It's been proven that there's no election fraud. And it's mind-blowing to me because like many of you, millions upon millions of us started seeing the evidence of it the very day after the 2020 elections. And that has not let up. That has increased. There are mountains and mountains of podcasts and live streams with all types of experts. The list goes on and on. It really does. But as it pertains to Minnesota, I just wanted to spend this time talking about eight very critical pieces of information that need to be passed on to those with opposing viewpoints. I know for a fact that there are many that I cannot possibly get to change their minds, but I would be remiss if I didn't at least attempt to explain some things, especially when they're pushing and they're pushing and they're pushing for information. And you know, one of those things is that there's so much information out there, you can't just give somebody one link that has all the information, right? I know most of you out there share that same frustration with me drives me absolutely nuts. But what I can do is try to gather up some information as I do for my work in general anyway, and present it in a way that is informative and hopefully enlightening to those who might not be aware. So here we go. So the first thing that really 
bothers me is that our current Secretary of State, Steve Simon, who keeps saying that Minnesota has the best, fairest elections of any state in the country, which is beep. Ah, uh, yes, not so. So one thing that he did was he created a rule that placed vast restrictions on election judges. The way it's supposed to work based on Minnesota law, election judges must be satisfied that the voters signed a ballot, including comparing signatures if there is an identification number mismatch between the ballot and the envelope. So the rule that Steve Simon wrote revoked the statutory discretion given to election judges to compare signatures on applications and ballots, and the Minnesota Court of Appeals upheld Simon's rule. So they essentially agreed that any person can sign any ballot for anyone without limitation. Obviously, this creates a ton of confusion within our delicate election process, and it holds the door wide open for voter fraud. Now keep in mind, the majority of votes in 2020 were cast as absentee ballots. Simon's rule does not allow any rejection of a ballot if there's a signature mismatch. Two completely different people could sign an absentee application and a ballot with no repercussions whatsoever. And just as a reminder, the vast majority of votes in 2020 were cast as absentee ballots. So it's pretty clear to me that this is another loophole, and it's an intended loophole for voter fraud. Steve Simon could do something about it. He didn't have to write that rule. He wrote it in there to make it easier to cheat. There is no other explanation for it. So the case has been petitioned to the Minnesota Supreme Court. I'll include a link so you can read more about it and see where the case is in the process. But I have to say, I highly doubt any decisions will be made prior to the midterm elections. It's kind of funny how it always tends to work that way, but it does. So speaking of absentee ballots, there were 74,000 missing absentee ballots in Minnesota the day the 2020 elections were certified. 74,000 missing absentee ballots that day. But go ahead and certify. No problem. Nothing to see here. Sorry if I sound a little bit sarcastic, but my God, we can talk in other episodes about how disgusting everything is. <laughs> I always hit on that point at some point, don't I? Okay, so that was number two about the 74,000. Number three, Steve Simon has repeatedly refused and still does refuse to support photo ID. Even though the vast majority of Minnesotans already have a photo ID because it's required for so many other transactions, just think about how many times you need a photo ID for so many things that you do throughout the course of your day, your week, your month, your year. You need it for everything. That is a given. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, where you live, for the very few instances in which somebody cannot find a way to apply for a photo ID, they can easily be provided with one. They can be helped. There are ways to help people get a photo ID. And I mean legally, I don't mean the illegal ones. Sure, they can do that too, but please, please don't do that. Especially don't think that I encourage that because that's the opposite of what I'm saying. Anyway, do you really think that Steve Simon and any of these people that are against photo ID really think it's because those of us that are advocating for it are racist. Once again, they resort to a label. We're racists. We're fascists. We're anti-maskers. We're anti-vaxxers. But I digress. <laughs> I digressed again. But seriously, these labels that they always have to attach, and I don't know who these people are. They heard that 
being repeated to them over and over and over again as a talking point. Some say it's racist. I implore you, if you're coming from another viewpoint, at least consider the fact that maybe, just maybe, it's not racism at all. And the people who are advocating it, such as myself, really just want, plain and simply, free and fair elections. Period. Number six. Steve Simon is failing to remove dead people from voter rolls after numerous requests. Think pragmatically here, people. What could possibly be his rationale for that? Anybody? Anybody? I don't think even Bueller has an answer for that. There's no legitimate reason why that should be the case. Now, number seven relates to e-poll books. I'm going to include a link in the description. It's from the liberal news organization, NPR.org. In it, former Connecticut Secretary of State Denise Merrill, Democrat, said, I don't think there has been a thorough conversation of the risks inherent and also the benefits of electronic poll books. By the way, the heading of this four-minute news story, technology has made voting lines move faster, but also made election lines less secure. Again, that's NPR. MPR for Minnesota, same thing. So I'll include that link and you can listen to it. It's only four minutes. But again, even they, and they typically only report from a very, very liberal viewpoint, So it's interesting to me that even they express concerns about that. Of course, this was in 2019 before their party benefited from these holes in our election process. So I won't go any further than that on that subject, but just something to keep in mind. Number eight is something that really hits close to home for me, at least something that I've been very suspicious about, especially since I've seen that this has happened around the nation quite extensively. And that is this. Residents and families of residents in nursing homes, assisted living facilities, memory care facilities, disability homes, and other similar facilities in Minnesota and across the country reported people coming into their rooms, completing a ballot for them, without the resident seeing what was being completed for them on their behalf, quote unquote, and then the vote was taken and submitted. In 2020, my mother, who's in an assisted living facility, casually mentioned to me on the phone shortly before election day that some nice person had come into her room and told her they were there to help her vote, completed the ballot in front of her, and then took it in and submitted it. And the only way I knew that somebody had done this was because she casually mentioned, oh, somebody came and did that for me. My response was, I thought my sister, who is the power of attorney for her, I thought my sister blank was going to do that. And she said, that's what I thought too. So anyway, I hung up from my mom. I (laughs) called my sister immediately. She luckily was able to track it down in time and essentially cancel that out, have mom fill out a new one with her real vote and go back in. Now I can't prove that that's exactly what the intention was. That's why I didn't take it anywhere from there. But considering the fact that It has since been learned that that same type of situation and many other situations happened in nursing homes and assisted living facilities and disability homes and things of that nature, memory care facilities all around Minnesota and all around the country. A lot of elderly people or people with disabilities that do not have the mental capacity or did not have the mental capacity to vote, severe cases of Alzheimer's, things like that, were taken advantage of. That list goes on and on once again. And yes, the proof is there. 
And all of those cases cannot be purely coincidence. So let me just close by saying that there really is such an extraordinarily comprehensive list of voter fraud that occurred across the nation in 2020, actually in every single county, in every single state. Something occurred. The magnitude was different depending on the county, but it was substantial, a substantial amount of voter fraud. And of course, the good old media kept saying, and is still saying, baseless, baseless claims. There is absolutely no proof. Well, that reminds me, I have a link of 150 examples of Democrats denying election results mysteriously until the 2020 elections. So if you want to take a look at that, I have used it from time to time when somebody keeps attacking me and saying, I'm an election denier or whatever, you know, another label. Because <laughs> I guess that's a really great way to get a point across is just call people names put a label on them and move on, right? Anyway, I'm not about to go through all of the ways that voter fraud occurred because it's way too much. It's too substantial. There were a lot of similarities between states and also a lot of different methods used, a lot of new ones being used. A lot of them have not been resolved yet. And a lot of that is honestly because how are we going to resolve them when many of the people that are supposed to resolve the issue benefited from the voter fraud. And there are Republicans in there too. So I'm fully aware of that. And I don't advocate it when it's a Republican either. There is, from what I can see, a tendency for those Republicans to be rhino Republicans, which is Republican in name only, meaning they act like they're one, they get elected, and then they vote on all Democrat policies. There was an extensive amount of machine manipulation through the internet. Remember way back when they said they don't even connect to the internet. No, they don't. They don't connect. Then finally they said, well, they do connect to the internet in some circumstances. And then they said, okay, well, in all circumstances, but it's not possible to change a vote. Okay, well, you can change a vote, but you can't change a ton of votes. Well, you can change a ton of votes, but not enough to completely change an election. I mean, the story kept changing. Oh, I don't even know what their current story is. Just, uh, probably the same old same old, I don't know. But it has been proven by numerous experts, countless testimonies. And I will include some links of sites you might want to check out to see some of this information. Just keep an open mind about it. There are also a couple of documentaries. You've probably already heard or seen them. One is called 2000 Mules. That's about all of these mules carrying bags and bags of votes to ballot drop boxes and then going back to nonprofit centers and going to another Dropbox. Many of them went to several Dropboxes and dropped off several bags worth of ballots. Another one is more of a documentary slash movie, but it contains the real deal. I don't know how many of you are familiar, but the FBI is definitely being weaponized against all conservatives, all Republicans. It doesn't matter if you've got a big name or not. Obviously, the bigger the name, the more they want to go after you. The more you know, the more they want to go after you, right? And the more they have been. FBI rating everybody. But the movie Selection Code includes FBI rating the home of, well, she goes by America's Mom on Facebook. I can't remember her name. Sharona is her first name. I can't remember her last name. My apologies there because I think of her as America's Mom. But it's happening constantly. And I'm positive it's not in the mainstream media. That nor all of the other 
FBI raids that are going on way beyond Trump and Mike Lindell. A lot of them have to do with people that are speaking out about what they know and are concerned about from the 2020 elections, especially the things that haven't been resolved yet. So all those things that I mentioned, in addition to dirty voter rolls, underage voting, non-citizens voting, people that are 120 years old voting repeatedly, (laughs) kind of a weird one, but yes. And I'm not talking about two or three. I'm talking about hundreds, if not thousands, of these strange and statistically unrealistic situations. Not to mention duplicate votes and blocking poll watchers from viewing. We had states where the secretaries of state and attorneys general were writing laws. Uh, Hello, I think only the legislature is supposed to do that. And I'm not a constitutional lawyer. I just happen to know that much. So I'll leave you with that. I will be talking more in depth about specific ways that you can get involved, that you can do your part in addition to voting to help prevent voter fraud as much as possible. We know we can't prevent it all. That's why it's so important for every single person to get out there and vote and spread the word to everyone. Make sure you can give a ride to somebody who might not have a car that day or whatever the case may be. Vote early if you're not going to be there on election day. There are a lot of things that are being worked on as we speak to help prevent voter fraud and help capture it in real time. So those participating in it might want to think twice before involving themselves in any of these shenanigans again. There was a lot, and I hope that they're dealt with eventually, but uh, we've got 2022 to worry about right now. So thanks for listening, everyone. Just a quick shout out to our sponsor, American Spirit Marketplace. If you live in America and you're interested in patronizing small businesses in America, as opposed to these large corporations who typically don't tend to have our best interests in mind, check out AmericanSpiritMarketplace.com. And of course, you can join and advertise your business to others as well. It's a great organization. I hope you take the time to check it out. The other thing is if you want to share some information, especially important election information with the midterms coming up, and you want to use our podcast as one method to share that message with others, just go to speakpipe.com forward slash real or no real. Just an FYI, by the way, you can leave as many voice messages as you want, but each message has a five minute time limit, but there's no timer on there or anything. So make sure to keep track of your time while you're recording it so you don't get cut off right in the middle of talking about the juicy stuff. It's always the way it goes, isn't it? And another reminder, We're on Gab and True Social, so you can reach out to us there too. Until next time. 